Hello and good morning. How is everyone doing today? This is Brooke and I am coming on. Just wanting to get into what I would call this episode as the transition. And this is, I've spent over 20 years in the healthcare field and I'm coming to a place where I am transitioning from primary care. Now, let me explain a little bit what primary care is. Um, I've worked as a nurse practitioner, as a registered nurse. I've done education and the last three years have been in primary care. <clears throat> primary care is uh, set up to, it's your usual visit, right? It's not a specialty. It's you go in and you've, you need a referral somewhere. You've got to manage some disease, chronic disease management. Um, it's originally set up to prevent illnesses, but that assumes people go in um, for prevention. But even in a faithful person going in yearly or whatever their routine is, there's still um, a little to prevent. And a lot of this has to do with part of my transition. There is unfortunately a decreasing number of patient or providers who are willing to stay in the primary care setting. And a lot of this has to do with the absolute demand of this setting. Um, in primary care, you're dealing with a whole a range of diagnoses and treatments and, and just things. Now, when you go into a specialty, say you've got a cardiologist, you probably have about 25 diagnoses that you're solid on. Like you just, it's just those 25 different things that are the most common things. You know the treatments, you do the constant research. But when you get into primary care, it's like the jack of all trades, but master of none, right? Because you have to know all the systems and maybe like the top five diagnoses with each system, right? And some systems you need to probably know the top 10. So you're talking about now you're trying to master maybe 200 different things um, and maybe more. And so there's just little to do with patients anymore and it's more about a business unfortunately and i've said this before healthcare is a business and so we have this business aspect we have business modules we have business payments and we have patients who are not business patients are lives patients are souls there's spirits there so <clears throat> we are setting healthcare up in a business mode, but we do have patients that we're taking care of. People, people, people. Um, transitioning out of primary care because we simply just don't have enough time to take care of people. I uh, was set up with a 40 hour work week and working 50 plus hours. That's not to mention you have family and you have um, life. You know, there's a phrase that says, um, I don't live to work or I don't work to live, right? So it's like, I don't wanna live to work. I work because I wanna live, but I don't wanna live to work. And some people are married to their jobs. You can see a lot of these people are people that, um, you know, maybe their kids are older out of the home and instead of, you know, other things in life, um, they just work all the time. Some people financially have buried themselves or they have specific goals and they just want to work because they want whatever that is. So that's on them. Right. But I don't, I live for the kingdom of God 
And when I see something is consuming me and trying to compete with God in my life, I have to back off and reevaluate and transition. So primary care in itself, there's a lot of things I learned over the past three years. And one thing I'll just mention quickly is the sorcery of it all, medications. So Big Farm has contracted with the medical establishment and essentially in many cases, not all, they keep you sick. Um, It is not um, to say, you know, the big pushback I get from believers and Christians is, well, God, you know, gave people the wisdom, the knowledge to create medications. I wish I could just blanket that to, were you there when they were testing these medications? Were you, do you know the heart of the person that actually put these molecules together? Okay, so God can use anybody, right? God used Nebuchadnezzar. So, is all medication bad? I'm going to say no. But what is the heart posture of the patient? I can tell you right now for the non-believer, it makes no difference. This, this podcast and this information is not even for you. For the believer who's feeling a little pricked, let me just tell you this. What is your heart posture every time you pop that metformin every morning? Every time you pop that lisinopril, okay? Every time you pop that uh, atorvastatin, what is your heart posture in the morning? When you're making your pill packs for the next two weeks, what is your heart posture? Are you praying and saying, Lord, I know you're the great physician and you will heal me. But for right now, I'm going to contract with this medical establishment because they told me I have this diagnosis. And so I'm going to take these pills, Lord, but you're going to heal me. Like, is that the heart posture? Okay, maybe. Like, Lord, I I went to the doctor and this is what they said I have. So I better do it. And, um, but you can heal me, Lord, you know, like, does that even sound like faith? Okay. So maybe that's not even it. Maybe it's, um, other things, right? So is medication, is all medication bad? No, but is there sorcery to it? Yes. And this is why I can, and I can tell you from a first hand prescriber is many disease management issues are not are preventable and even if you're diagnosed already if you don't contract with that diagnosis meaning internally contract with it in your soul you can get rid of it you can heal from it does that require change does it require lifestyle it it requires a degree of repentance whoa i said it right And I'm not even talking about a spiritual repentance. I'm talking about you need to repent from the lifestyle that you had that got you that sick. Now, some things do happen to people that, you know, quote, they live a healthy lifestyle and they still get an illness. Okay, I'm not talking about that group, but that in itself I could even speak on. But I'm talking about the group that has typically what we call metabolic syndrome. Okay, they've gained weight. Now they're they're now they're pre-diabetic. Now their cholesterols are just a little bit over, and their blood pressure just a little bit higher, right? So they come in year after year, month after or you know every six months they get their they get their panel of labs. They they get on their atorvastatin, their metformin, and their <clears throat> lisinopril, and they just come in, and their BMI is still about thirty-two. You you have like fifteen minutes to talk to them. 
Okay. You have 15 minutes to talk to them and to tell them what they're doing, uh, what they need to do, what the best thing to do. And then you say, okay, see you later, right? Most, most patients don't learn from that 15 minutes. They can't even receive because some come in defensive. They've, they've had woundedness. It's almost like church woundedness. They come in because a different provider had spoke to them a certain way and now their heart is scarred. It's kind of like when you go to a church and you've had a bad experience and now you leave that church and you're like, you're thinking every church is like that, right? But this is just the same, it's the same concept. You, you had the one bad experience and now you think they're all like that. It's, it's the same thing when patients start talking about hospitals. Don't go to that hospital because so-and-so died there, right? But why don't you talk to that other person who actually survived because of the interventions, right? But it's all about what, where that person's heart is, right? So this metabolic syndrome, okay, so think about how American life is set up. We're busy, we stay distracted, we stay working. Many of us work more than 40 hours a week. We've got spouses that are working, and then we try to take care of the kids. We're trying to do this. We don't have time for dinner. We're running to here, we're running there, and then we're running right through the drive-thru, or we're going home and we're cooking you know, whipping up this meal that is just like taking, uh, you know, 15 minutes to cook, but it's high in fat, high in, high in, um, carbs. And then we just slowly gain, 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 gain. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to exercise. We want to drink. We want to smoke. We want to just do what we want to do because we have the freedom to do it. So that's just what we do. And so this is, and then let's get into cultures. Now, certain cultures, you know, then people think it's a genetic thing. No, it's a cultural thing. Your culture, your grandma and your grandma's grandma kept cooking that same food, which tastes delicious. But let me tell you, there's way too many carbs and way too much fat. So we've got to do a little bit of education. You can keep your spices, you can keep your flavors, but let's kind of swap out some veggies for some of these carbs, you know. But then people get offended thinking you're telling them to, you know, uh change their whole culture <laughs> so you see it's like some of this stuff so then how do how does the medical establishment respond take a pill just take the atorvastat and you don't have to change anything you can take this pill and you can live the life the way you want to live and we can keep your cholesterol levels down right so that's the medical establishment for you so a lot of that is sore three because you're going to teach them you're going to train them and and i'm talking about now for some of the people that profess christ for the unbeliever again this is not your podcast you don't even care you don't want to change and god will deal with them but for the believer if you have a stronghold over food you better pray for some deliverance you could have even a demon i don't know you know, if you've got a stronghold over you that refuses to exercise because you don't feel like it, you better pray for some deliverance for that. And so if the believer comes back week after, or, uh, you know, month after month or every year, and it's the same thing, well, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't make those changes. So I guess I'm just going to have to up my dose of lisinopril or now I better add some insulin because now my a1c is way out of whack and so a lot of these cases are preventable but again there's no repentance and lifestyle and if we can't even repent in lifestyle how in the world are we repenting spiritually how are you repenting spiritually but yet you have this lifestyle that says otherwise 
If you know what I'm saying, it's pretty deep. And so there is sorcery to that because it keeps the Christian, the Jesus Fowler, we can't even have those conversations in the office. Number one, because you're going in, you're probably really not believing what you profess you believe, and you're expecting this provider, who most of them aren't even walking with the Lord, to treat you. So you're going to contract with this pagan provider and yet maybe put Jesus on the side and that's just kind of how we do American church anyways we put Jesus on the side for about an hour or two in the on Sunday mornings and then we just kind of live our life the rest of the week right so God is this this walk is a walk of repentance and so here comes this transition I don't want any part of this anymore because for the most part you know wide is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life right and so I'm probably not quoting that correctly, but it's along the same lines of that. And um, I just don't want to participate in someone's, and I'm not saying every patient is like this, but in someone's long withstanding um, life of disobedience. Because if you're a converted Christian, the Holy Spirit will start convicting you about those unhealthy patterns in your life that are leading to physical illness. And you will make changes over time. And it's awesome. But if you've contracted with your healthcare provider on your illness and you keep Jesus on a side pocket, there is no conversion and you're just like, mm. so. Here's the person who is making changes and still needs medication, but you know in your spirit and in your soul that you're right with the Lord. And for some reason, like I see that all the time with insulin dependent diabetics, they, they've made changes, they're living their life the best way they can, they pray for healing and they still need insulin, okay? That's between them and God, but you know what? Discernment is key and the Lord has given me the ability to discern those. So I'm going to go back. Not all medication is bad. What is the heart posture of the patient? And there's just the love of many is growing cold these days. And people don't care. They don't want the better things of life that Christ has to offer. So the transition, I could get into birth control, which birth control in itself is something that I'm expected to give. And a lot of the people that request the birth control are these young women that are fornicating. Pagan women, okay? That's fine. That's up to them. God will judge them. I can't, in that setting, that is not for me to judge. I can tell them, okay, these are your options. But I certainly, in my conscience, don't want to keep dealing with it. And I will not get into the argument of, well, it's better than abortions. Because... Remember, primary care is prevention. And so it is not better than abortions because you are still playing God. You are still promoting promiscuity, which deals with sickness, which deals with STDs, which deals with the transmission of hepatitis C, AIDS, syphilis is coming back, chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomonas, like all that stuff. Okay. So it's not just like, oh, well, it prevents abortions. No, that is the... That is an argument that a pagan provider will provide. And if you're walking with the Lord, we do not compromise. And so again, the transition for me. 
So I just love the Lord though, because before I got into this field, I wasn't convicted as much. And this is what our walk is. This is being vulnerable and being truth to God. Is that as he, as we submit ourselves to him, he will open our eyes to things that we thought were all were always okay. You know, I've been in medical field for so long, all this stuff seemed okay. Let's take immunizations, okay? I can tell you what's recommended for your age group. And if you're pagan and you just want to, you know, go into this, go ahead. <clears throat> if you have questions, I'm going to, you know, I need to teach you. I need to teach you that the HPV vaccine you want to give your nine-year-old is for what's called human papilloma virus. So by me giving this to you, the assumption is this is the argument. It prevents cervical cancer in women and it can help with men throat cancer. Well, why are they getting HPV? Because of sexual promiscuity. It goes back to fornication and sex. God never designed, now this is for the believer, God did not design sex to be outside the marriage bed. And he certainly did not design you to have sex with 7, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 different people. So men are getting throat cancer from HPV because they're performing oral sex on women that have HPV. Women are getting HPV because they're fornicating outside of the marriage bed and they're fornicating with a ton of people, right? But, but the whole argument's like, well, it prevents cervical cancer related to HPV. And HPV comes from sexual compromise. So what are the standards here? There is no compromise with the Lord. Do you want to give it? You know, I just don't want anything to do with that anymore. Right? Again. So it makes like, oh, it sounds nice. Wow, we're preventing all this cervical cancer. What if we actually stuck to our morals? You make your own decision as an adult. But as a nine-year-old, I'm going to stick you with something that basically you're now as a Christian believer, you're running your child to the pediatrician who says to do all this. And you're like, okay, okay, that's what the doctor said. Okay, I better do it because that's what they said. Now we're getting into that paternal thing. And that's witchcraft because if they're telling you, you better do this and they're making you feel guilt or shame, that is witchcraft to the T. And so, and mo most of these providers are pagan people. So um, again, when you're converted to Christ, the Holy Spirit will start showing you some of these things. So the Christian brings her nine-year-old in to get her HPV vaccines. What that's saying, it's not saying I'm doing these vaccines because I want my daughter to not get cervical cancer or my son to get throat cancer. It's saying there's a doubt in my mind that my daughter is gonna be a sexual fornicator with a ton of people, so I better do this so they don't get that. I would say let the Lord deal with them. You raise them to know the standards of God. You raise them to know what the Lord has said in such matters and let him deal with them when they get rebellious. You can't prevent the offset of their rebellion. You can't prevent it. You can pretend you can, but you can't. The wrath of God, <laughs> you can't hide from the wrath of God, no matter who you are and whose kid you are. But again, for the non-believer, sure, go ahead. Let's talk about this BIS sheet you're supposed to get with all your vaccines. So for the baby that comes in that's due for like their polio and they're due for their hepatitis B 
and they're due for their hib and they're let's just fyi each one of those is supposed to have a vis sheet which is a vaccine information sheet it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to go over that in itself is the entire visit so um, you're probably just consenting away to something you didn't even read and understand so um, knowledge is is important so the transition so these are some of the things um, that I am transitioning from. Um, I think of the medical caduceus and I've had someone, I don't know, somewhere in social media, somewhere <laughs> when I talked about the medical caduceus, they're like, well, the origin is from blah, 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 like a complete non-believer, right? So I'm like, okay, I love your non-believing response. Awesome. But me as a believer, you know what I see when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I have spiritual senses what i see is a double serpent wrapped around a pole with angel wings what in the world is that and notice that double serpent right that double serpent is on every medical establishment and it's on every ambulance and so the enemy has stamped his hand on 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 many places many many places so we can talk about hormone therapy and transgenderism and that in itself, um, I would say is a specialty. And again, they're, they're expecting primary care providers to just be one and all. And we're getting patients coming in and demanding specific medications. And because it's such a political hot topic right now and in vogue, if you don't give them those medications, by all means, you're going to be reported and you're going to be harassed and you're going to be this and you're going to be that. My question for every person out there is if it's a specialty thing and a provider's not comfortable with it, you need to respect that decision because there's humility in saying, I'm not comfortable with this but there's other services available for it. You, uh, you are not bound to give someone something that you are not comfortable giving. And um, then we've got patchwork. So in healthcare, they're like, okay, well, just someone's already been handling it, but that person can't prescribe anymore. So why don't you just prescribe for a couple months until they can get to the next person? Really? So small areas of compromise again. Oh, but they can go through withdrawals. Really? So just so you know, pharmacies now are running out of medications. So your pain medications, your, your Trulicity, your GLPs that you're trying to take to lose your weight because of your metabolic syndrome, um, they're running out of them. And I can foresee this to be an issue continuing. I've had patients run out of inhalers, nebulizers for their breathing issues. No one cared about that but they cared about keeping your hormones going on for the next month. You can see the confusion here, right? And so the transition, we, we're called, we are called, we are set apart. If I'm blending in with the rest of the community of providers, I look like all of them. If I look like them, if I practice like them, how am I different? How am I set apart? So I just love that the Holy Spirit convicts us I truly love that the Holy Spirit convicts us. I don't know what's going to be coming in the next line of things, but prescribing is not one of them. And just know 
that the Lord, if you are a sovereign, righteous child of God, no matter who he sends you to, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit and you're praying about your visits and you're praying for your providers, even pagan providers, and you're covered with the blood of Jesus, whatever medical care you get, he will take care of you, but take it to the Lord. Do not contract with these things and repent, repent in the spiritual because if you repent from your wicked ways and you turn to the Lord, I can guarantee the Holy Spirit will start convicting you and you will start getting healthier. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm talking about just physically you will start getting healthier. And if you don't and you're repenting, the Lord will honor that and he will take care of you and your conscience won't be seared. It's very deep, but my prayer is that patience and people would understand <clears throat> what God has in store for them when it comes to their health care. It's deeper than physical health. We are body, soul, and spirit, but first we're spirit. So let's take care of our spirit first and the rest will take care of itself. Is it going to be perfect? No, we still live in these flesh suits. It's not, but... It can be better for many people, okay? I'm not gonna say all, so please don't get offended over that. I'm just gonna say for many people, it could be better. So the next phase, I'm thinking about getting back into education. I did my master's in education. I think a lot of this to me, now that I'm talking through it, is just understanding that people just don't have the education and I would love to be in prayer for people and teach them at the same time. I have definitely have a passion and a desire for diabetic management because that's what drove me crazy. <laughs> but it's because it was encouraging for me because I could see that if some people just made changes, like I said, I know there's insulin dependent and there's certain situations that other than a, you know, just a miracle down from the Lord, um, they'll need their medications. But and I would say over half of the, the diabetics, the type 2 diabetics, if they made changes, they could actually be freed from it. And so, um, you know, there's that pocket of people that I like to teach um, and just empower them and, and pray for them. You know, even if I can't pray in the visit, I can pray for you. And, um, and just realizing that Providers don't get that time to teach you, but there could be someone who can teach you. And uh, so, yeah, that's the transition. So stay tuned. The Lord is just, um, I've renamed this podcast as the, the overflow because I want this more of just me having a way to get out what the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And, um, you know, if it's just by this platform, then it's by this platform. And if it's by my, my, my family in Christ as well, so they are encouraging as well. So God bless, keep me in prayer. Um, I'm excited for these days and pray for your providers because it's difficult right now. Uh, pray that they have open eyes. Pray that even if they're pagan, God will just use them to take care of you. Um, just be careful. Don't make contracts with things. Um, yes, you could get diagnosed, but you don't have to contract with it. It's two different things, right? So um, 
pray for healing. Have have James, what, James 5, you know, confess your sins to one each other and pray for healing. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you so he can convict you mightily in the name of Jesus. So God bless you until next time.